0: There are so many eye-opening innovations happening in the food technology space that you might not be aware of. And that's why today I'm excited to be chatting with Richard Munson. Richard is the author of Tech to Table, 25 Innovators Reimagining Food. Whether it's a burger grown in a laboratory or a strawberry picked by a robot, Richard is sharing the most promising advancements that he's finding. And in this episode, we explore some of the ways these advancements could impact you, the restaurateur. Let's get into it. Welcome to Guest Getter, the best place for restaurateurs to learn the art and science of getting more new guests, getting guests coming back more often, and getting guests spending more per visit so that you can be more profitable and do more of what you love. My name's Kyle Gilfoyle. let's hit it. Richard welcome to the show, how are you doing?
1: fine. Thanks. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Well, I'm I'm very excited. So I always like to start with a similar question, which is how would you describe your particular area of expertise or your zone of
1: genius? I've long been interested in innovation, um, particularly entrepreneurs, um, and particularly in the clean energy space. I helped um, start a clean energy startup company. I worked on clean energy issues, working on Capitol Hill, um, and the move to agriculture Culture was you know a pretty logical one. I mean if you look at where there are key environmental challenges, you look no further than where um, the largest economic sector is, which at you know five you know, trillions of dollars, uh, it's agriculture. So I started you know just looking for who were innovators in this food and farm space and to be quite honest, became more and more fascinated as I started talking to people
0: what's what's one thing about innovation in the agricultural space that you wish you had learned years ago
1: I guess i had assumed that agriculture was more advanced and innovative than it appears to be um it is in fact the least digitalized you know economic sector um the least you know modernized um and that presents you know problems in the sense that it is not embracing new technology, therefore not as efficient uh, in providing nutritious food to more people. But at the same time, it opens up opportunities for entrepreneurs um, who think that they have a better idea and are able to attract some money to go out and see if they can beat up big egg and do things more efficiently. Amazing. I, I would actually say that my, uh, albeit limited,
0: obs- well, limited compared to yours, but my observation of the food space in general is that um, they are by and large laggards in terms of their adoption of technology. Um and, and this this is on the restaurant side as well. Now in your book, Tech to Table, uh you, you shine a light on innovations, primarily as you mentioned, in the agricultural uh space, you know, from from burgers in a laboratory to to tr- tracking the food supply on, on blockchain. Um, I'm I'm curious, is there is there one innovation that you outline in your book that, that you are kind of most, most tickled by or most excited by?
1: No, <laughs> and I say that only because I don't um, think that there is a single technological solution uh, to all of the challenges that we face from an environmental or nutrition uh, perspective. And I think what's happening today is you have this confluence of major technological advances in the power of sensors gathering, gathering new data, the power of computers being able to process that data at speeds that two, three years ago would have been unimaginable. And then you're looking at what's happening in robotics. Um, So the combination of those, I think, allow entrepreneurs to be quite diverse as they bring these new technologies finally uh, to this laggard um, or at least digitalized um, economic sector. So that's the part that, I mean, there there are companies that are, you know, most intriguing I mean you know a lot of attention has been placed on those that are producing plant based or cell based meats and certainly that will revolutionize how we think about the delivery of proteins Um, there are others that are changing the way we think about agriculture from these horizontal vast spaces to vertical warehouses you know that no longer have soil they don't have you know don't rely on sunlight they have no herbicides pesticides and yet they grow fresh organic you know produce to local markets without waste um, year-round. So, the array of innovations is, I think, the part that intrigues me and excites me the most.
0: And just having them all come together and what the what the cumulative impact can be. I, is that is that right?
1: Yeah, no, very much so. I think you know, um, you know, the former head Eric Schmidt, the former head of um, Google, you know, referred to this as the um, confluence of technologies that, in his mind. Open up new opportunities for new companies. He thinks that the younger um, companies will be more agile and will sort of outcompete the conventional oligopolies that are not willing to experiment or adopt uh, and adapt to you know, new situations.
0: And so, your book, Tech to Table, um, you know, agricultural innovation, um, you know most of the audience listening are, you know, like bar owners, restaurant owners, they're really on the table side. Um, How how do you see some of these technologies impacting, let's say, let's say a restaurant owner? What are the like, most obvious ways you you see it kind of, or or not so obvious, but like, how do you see it impacting, like, say, a, a local restaurant owner?
1: Well, I think my guess is local restaurant owners are facing a new world. Um, I mean, we think about the new world after COVID because we've been closed for such a long period of time, but I think it's a new world because in the last two, three years, there have been amazing new introductions of alternatives, options. Um, And so I think um, restauranteurs have the potential to experiment um, and to offer, New experiences um, to attract customers to their space. Uh, and I think that's the exciting thing that results from the fact that there is all this innovation that's going out on farms because it comes to tables. And, you know, can restauranteurs you know, take advantage of plant or cell-based meats or, you know, heirloom. Um, produce that's grown organically year round, or can they, you know, provide more transparency through blockchain, as you um, suggested? I think the answer is yes, but um, they have the opportunity to sort of seize that innovation in their new offerings as they reopen.
0: So I mean, I I think that's totally spot on it. I think, I, my hunch is for a while now that the model has been ripe for uh I guess disruption or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there there are many aspects of of the business model that that are hard to sustain. Um, no, that's not not surprising. What I so, you know, like you're kind of you are sort of one of the the pioneers in a way of, you're someone who is who is exploring these technologies as they're Um, you know, as they're, as they're being created. What's, um, and so my, so I, I'm thinking as a restaurant owner, how will I, how can I be one of the earliest folks to get access to these technologies? Or is that more like up to the farms that I, that I work with?
1: Does that make sense? No, no. I think it's up to the restauranteer. To break out of their maintenance mode is the term that you use uh, and to think more creatively about how they use the offerings that are coming from the farms. In ways that will appeal to their customers to have a new experience um, and to harness, if you will delight or you know freshness or experimentation. Um, That I think is where you know you can bring joy and excitement back, but you have to be able to just like farms that are making the switch and I would argue that actually a lot of the innovation is coming from people who previously had nothing to do with agriculture they're just taking advantage of new technologies in robotic sensors or you know computing and bringing them finally to the agricultural sector I think you know restaurateurs, for very good reasons have been cautious I mean there's a lot of investment um, in putting together your bar and your restaurant and you want to make sure that the tried and true, sort of remain so that you bring back your loyal customers. So venturing forth and saying, I want to you know, only go with these new experiments. It's probably not something that a lot of restauranteurs are going to say, Guy, I didn't think about that. I should do that. But I would you know, suggest that there is an opportunity for them, at least for part of their menu to say, let's bring a little delight and experimentation to customers. Let's you know, I'm going to introduce you to, you know, um, plant based or cell based meats. What do you think? Um, i
0: mean t- totally it's uh you know it's it's an opportunity for a brand new narrative uh, a, a new story yes. that that hasn't really been told before um and and so and and i think your book is wonderful because it's you know there isn't just one or, or two but you're shining a light on twenty five and that, this is just the beginning um and so I, I yeah i think it's i'm i'm really excited to,
1: to see how it plays out. You know, if I can riff off something that that you said, um, because you mentioned the word story, and I think that is really key uh, and an opportunity for restauranteurs to tell the story of where this food has come from, because I think customers, I mean, it's sort of a cliche that they're now into transparency. They sort of want to know where their food came from, but I think they actually want to know more. You know, why is this sustainable? why is this particularly nutritious you know where did it come from give me a little on the science i mean you don't have to you know bombard them with textbooks on chemistry but i think people are looking for a story um about their food and why um the restauranter is thinking that this is, is um a wise and fruitful experiment for them to uh give a try to 100
0: percent i and i i think it's i think it's good in a way that i'm i'm, I'm... Kind of ignorant because I'm, I'm probably asking questions that many others have um how how can i get access to this technology
1: well it, it varies um you know depending upon where you are take you know all of the plant-based meat for one example i mean impossible burgers or impossible foods which most people now know largely because they've been selling plant-based burgers at Burger King and you know White Castle for heaven's sakes. So, um, you know they're now in seventeen thousand retail outlets. So it's not hard, you know, to get plant-based uh, meats. And the um, you know the industry grew like one hundred and fifty-eight percent just last year. Um, it's anticipated by UBS, who is the Swiss bank, is making projections that it will be um, about uh, what's the term? about eighty-five billion dollars. By the end of this decade, that's about half of what the conventional beef industry is today, I don't know if those estimates are accurate or they'll prove to be accurate, but my goodness that's stunning, so the issue is not necessarily um, there is um, access to these at least some of these innovations. um, You know pretty readily Um, on others, for instance, you know do can you get heirloom you know produce you know from vertical farms. That you might have to do a little more snooping in to see if, in fact, there are vertical farms in your, you know, immediate neighborhood. But you know, the list and sort sorry, of goes down.
0: Go ahead. What what is a vertical farm?
1: Well, a verti- Think about an abandoned warehouse um, that they come in, and instead of, um, actually, think about an Amazon um, fulfillment center. Um, mm-hmm. One of the uh, first people to design vertical farms was, in fact, a designer of Amazon um you know fulfillment center so you have all of these stacks instead of of books or jewelry they're stacked with bok choy and lettuce and robots go around um and pick out the vegetables um, or fruits that are appropriately ripe um this is an enclosed center so there's no need for you know there's no threat of bugs coming in so you don't need pesticides you don't need fertilizers. You don't even need dirt. You, you know the water consumption is misted at them, so it's significantly lower than other places. So think about an old abandoned warehouse that suddenly is stacked um, with trays filled with plants and crops um, instead of. So the difference is, I mean, it just totally rethinks the farm. You know, you, mostly you think about you know a midwestern farm that is, you know. Horizontal as can be and goes on for you know miles. And you on a on a horizontal conventional farm, you think that you're going to do the same thing everywhere. I'm going to you know spray herbicides all over the place because that's the way to do it. In a vertical farm, suddenly you have the options through sensors and computing to be able to provide what an individual plant needs um, and know that that plant um, you know, needs a little bit extra water than the one, you know, three down that you can't do on a massive farm. So it, I think redefines agriculture. Um, and what it does, I think is also open up more opportunities for these vertical farmers to grow different foods, um, that we haven't seen in a long term or even make up new, you know, foods that then open up opportunities for a restauranteur to say here. Try this, you know, Asian sort of bok choy, you know, alternative, um, and tell me what you think. Um, and if, you know, if, if more of my customers like it, you know, I'll get more of it. I mean, so it's almost, you know, one possibility is for the restaurant here to be an experimental station and to get mm-hmm. feedback as for what the, their future menu should be.
0: Amazing! That's so cool. Uh, there was there's another technology that I, I would I would really love for you to to, to, sh- to share with the audience and that is you know the the coming together of two two huge technologies right now at this point in time which is you know obviously agriculture but also blockchain um, yes. you know we, we we most commonly associate blockchain with 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 cryptocurrency but it has way more applications And so I would love it if you could share how these two technologies are coming together right now?
1: Well, the short answer is that anybody who can explain blockchain um, is far wiser than me. But the short answer is that blockchain is really nothing more complex than being a very sophisticated ledger in accounting of ins and outs, um, as typically been you know through these currency measures. And the nice thing is that there's no middleman. In, in the case of currency, you usually just had the bank as the one who decided to process the information. Blockchain allows anybody who's particip- participating in the market to have access to the data. So it's democratized, if you will. In the agricultural sector, what it does is provide, therefore, an, an unbelievably sophisticated ledger that allows the restaurant here or the consumer to know exactly where the seed came from, where it was planted, what the soils were like, what the additives were to it, you know, what the you know labor practices were associated with that particular farm. I mean, whatever you want to know, uh, blockchain basically gathers that information. And some of it's far too much than any here would want to know. But if you want to, there's the grist for a story. Um, and I think those stories are, you know, if well told, you know, provide the transparency that I think consumers are looking for, as well as an understanding of where their food came from.
0: Totally. And I mean, I don't think it's, I don't, you know, I, I think it's very, very likely and it could be very powerful. I mean, when I was, you know, when, when, uh, when I, I worked uh, at bars and restaurants uh, you know, before every shift we would have what we call a pre-service and the chef would come out and he'd share, you know, where, where the sable fish uh, you know, who caught it mm-hmm. when it was caught uh, they would mm-hmm. give us, details about the, the fish itself blah 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 blah. Um, I, I, I candidly am not um I'm not like a a food, uh, I'm not a very food savvy uh, person., uh, so it was actually always quite overwhelming for me, but there there were people, you know, servers and and my colleagues who would just be able to take that information and sell the crap out of that yep. dish. and yep. and this is a real cool opportunity for, like you said, a, a completely different story that no one's yep. ever heard before.
1: And you know, I'll be the first to admit that there will be some customers who don't care. I mean, they don't wanna hear the story. They just, you know, give me the damn burger. <laughs> but I think that there's a growing segment of the population um, because of recalls, because of all of the concern about climate change, sustainability, nutrition, et cetera, that want better stories. Um, and the challenge for the restauranteur is to know how long to make that story? How to make it entertaining? How to make it engaging? But I think touching on themes of, you know, nutrition and sustainability. In addition, of course, uh, whatever is produced has to taste darn good. Um, so I mean, you can't get around a story is not going to get you around bad taste. But if you are able to have, you know, a good tasting, you know, alternative, I think the thrill of a story and experimentation is something that could attract more customers to a restaurant.
0: Totally. And, and I think while you're right, not everybody cares about the story. I, I do think that, I think just about everybody can can tap into uh, the health and the sustainability of where they live. So, um, yes. you know, I, I, at the very least, people will, will get aligned with with what it represents. Um, I'm curious, because I, I see this as a very, like, this is, your discoveries are, like, quite early. Uh, how How do you see... And I, I don't know, like, if, if this is a question you can answer, but I'm curious how you see this, these innovations playing out over the course of the next three to five years. Are you able, I know you're not like a, you you know, you don't have a crystal ball or anything, but are you able to, to give us some insight into how you see uh, this, these technologies playing out? And
1: yeah. Well, the honest answer is I'm not sure. And that. To be honest, that's great because the whole point of innovation is you have a lot of ingenious, creative, determined, aggressive individuals that are trying to make a better mousetrap, or in this case, more tasty, more nutritious, more sustainable food. Um, Where will there be, you know, big promises? I think it'll vary. I mean, one of the worries that I had about writing this book and selecting 25, you know, innovators is that I know that some of them are going to fail startups are hard um but some are going to prosper and be you know massive unicorns or multi-billion dollar you know valuation you know companies i think what we've seen you know with uh, plant-based foods is indicative of the potential um there's lots of people you know the next wave if you will of innovation are these cultured cells or animal free cells or you know cell-based cells and essentially. One of my favorite guys was um, Uma Valete, who was head of Memphis Foods, and Memphis Meats is now called Upside Foods. And he used to be, um, he came to the United States from India to take a residency at the Mayo Clinic um, as a heart surgeon. And um, he basically concluded that what he was doing was taking stem cells to repair heart tissue, muscle tissue. Um, That had been damaged by heart attacks and he said to himself, you know, if I continue to do this, I'm going to save, you know, you know, several thousand lives over the course of my 30 year career. But if I'm able to take this technology of thinking that what stem cells can do as far as grow into muscle tissue, which is essentially meat, I can save billions of people and obviously billions and billions of animals. And so you have this, you know, intriguing set of very optimistic, forward-thinking, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who think they can make the world um, better. Will they all succeed? No, um, but my goodness, it's going to be exciting um, to watch them attempt.
0: Totally. And hey, if you if you told me that story at the table side, I'd be I'd be pretty intrigued. And, I, and I, I am kind of a like a pretty basic. I uh, you know give, give me my give me the burger. Um, but if you told me that that was the impact, I'd, I'd definitely be uh be quite uh, bought into it. Mm. Now, well,
1: again, the, the industry is so changing again, because I think the world of technology is changing even outside of agriculture, you know, in addition to agriculture being the least digitalized, it's also the um, invest the least amount in research and development. I mean, the healthcare industry devotes about 20 some odd percent of its revenue in thinking about doing things better through research and development, you know, where the, the food industry is well below 1%. Um, wow. That's pretty remarkable. Um, but again, that opens up opportunities for people who are willing to invest and innovate um, in new technologies. And I think what's happened in the last few years is that has just suddenly taken off in the ag sector that had been ignored by technologists before.
0: And do, you, do you, that's so interesting. interesting. I, I can't help but imagine the reason for that is because... Uh, you know, the agricultural industry has been around for like longer than just about any other industry. Do you think sure. that's why? It's just because they've done it the same
1: way for years and years and years. Well, it's also, you have to be cautious, both as a restaurateur and a farmer. As a farmer, you get one shot per year. Mm-hmm. You better do it right. Um, or, you know, if you plant the wrong seeds, you put the wrong, you know, fertilizer down, um, you're, You know, or a bad storm comes along I mean whatever the the potential for disaster is high and so there's a natural tendency to be as conservative as possible, because you've got this big investment and you don't want to lose it. Um, I think what innovators are coming in to folks and saying is instead of you know you having to just guess and almost an art form as to what the appropriate seeds are for this particular soil. Suddenly, we now have the science of people that can take a spoonful of soil and detect the billions of microbes that are in there and then make scientific suggestions to the farmer as to what the best seeds are to grow in that particular soil. So we're moving, the farmers have the potential because of these innovations to move from an art form, if you will, to one that's more science-based.
0: Amazing. I, I, I as a as a farmer would love to to not have to guess whether um you know this year was going to be a success whether my crop was going to get somehow decimated by a drought or whatever um sure. and it sounds like that's that's what they'll soon soon be able to do is that right
1: well not only will they have better analysis from these um, um, reviews of you know it's, it's not unlike you know the 23 and me test the dna test that you know humans take to get a sense of their ancestry and their you know genetic makeup they're doing the same now for soil, but in a far more sophisticated, you know, fashion. And so, yes, we are moving to the ability to make more scientific choices. And also, you're moving to the ability to, you know, if in fact, climate change, you know, accelerates, and we're looking at places that are likely to face more droughts, are there ways to, you know, uh, edit genes in a fashion that provides them to be more drought resistant, and yet increase the yield of heirloom tomatoes, if you will. So yes, the science has the potential to make the farmer's life less nerve wracking. Um, and, um, and again, I'm not suggesting, there, there's reasons why farming has been a bit conventional, um, but I think innovation is allowing them to be Um, more innovative themselves as they, you know, attempt to profit and pass on in many cases, you know, their farms to their kids. Amazing.
0: Uh, Richard, I want to be mindful of your time here. And uh, I just have, I have one, well, I, I always say one more and it often turns into a couple more, but I think I have one, just one wrap up question here, which is, let's say, let's say the government were to give you, say, $500,000, Five hundred thousand dollars. I, I don't know how. Let's let's go with a million dollars to spend on some some sector of like agricultural innovation or or some you know technology. How would you how would you spend that million dollars, or where would you direct it?
1: Well, I think a lot of the innovators that I interviewed were of the opinion that they wanted the government to get the heck out of the way they weren't of the opinion that they wanted you know subsidies to come to them they wanted to participate in the markets on their own and be you know good competitors <laughs> the agricultural industry is amazingly subsidized and a 10, that money tends to go from taxpayers to the largest you know processors and the largest farmers um, innovators um, are at a disadvantage as a result of that if there was one place that i think the government could be helpful it's to think about how do you increase the Infrastructure, particularly the digital infrastructure of rural communities. Um, At the moment, you look at the internet capacity in urban centers versus in rural areas, and it's just night and day and it's unfair. And a lot of these new technologies rely on the ability to process data quickly. So bringing um, fairness in rural infrastructure, uh, I think, would be advantageous. And then, you know, get the heck out of um, some of these crazy subsidies to doing things the old way um, and allow more competition from these entrepreneurs as they develop innovative technologies.
0: Totally. I, I, probably, I probably should have said investor or, or, or something, Maybe, probably not the government. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, Richard, th- thank you so much for, for coming on um I'd encourage anyone listening to to check out the book tech to table uh where else can people go to 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 learn more about you about uh these technologies and uh and and potentially connect with you
1: there's a a website richardmunson.com how's that for simple um that has information about the book places to order it as well as um, um introductions to some of the other books that I've written in the past so I hope um that people you know find the stories of these innovators to be exciting and open to the opportunities that I think these entrepreneurs provide both to farms and to food.
0: Amazing. Richard, thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Take care.
0: You too. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Guest Getter. I'm your host, Kyle Gilfoyle. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can head over to guestgetter.co to check out the resources in this episode's show notes and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That is it for today. We'll see you next time.